Welcome back to Rhymes with Decora, companion podcast project of Inspired Media. I'm Benji Nichols, your host, bringing you stories about communities you love by people you trust. Our second season, we are so excited to be dipping into things. Uh, so many fun people to talk to across our region. Series of shows that we're pulling together to talk about uh, fun things that are going on. Great work that people are doing. And our guest today, wow, is one of those people, somebody I've known for many, many years. Uh, Mr. Kelly Ludeking, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, hey. I, I definitely enjoy this. Thanks for being here. Uh, Kelly, I have to say, you and I um, seem to cross paths kind of randomly. Uh, we know each other pretty well, but like don't really like seek each other out necessarily, and yet run into each other on a pretty regular basis. Yep, yeah, pretty <laughs> and, much. Uh, something I love about that is it seems like anytime I run into you, we just immediately pick up wherever we left off. Yep, <laughs> I think yeah, that sounds about right. That, it's pretty pretty fluid. <laughs> yeah, I love that, uh, and it's and it's awesome. Um, Kelly, let's start at the beginning. Uh, first of all, a couple of things I want to say right up top. If people don't know, Kelly, you are an amazing artist, uh, a decora, a decora, a decoraite at your roots, uh, but uh, someone who's found their way out in the world and done some really incredible work. KellyLudeking.com, K-E-L-L-Y-L-U-D-E-K-I-N-G.com is one of the easiest places. But what you're probably best known for here in this neck of the woods is the uh, down on the farm uh, iron pour, right? Yep, yep, that's the big one, and uh, this year is going to be 20 years of doing that, 20 which is years. mind-blowing to me that it's been that long. <laughs> we and can't that, be 20 years old. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, that is not... <laughs> the gray hair on my beard definitely uh, tells me that's not true. Down on the farm, Iron Pour has been going on for 20 years at your family farm just outside of Decora. If people don't know what that is, we're going to talk about it here in the show, but also down on the farm, ironpour.com. You can check it all out there. It's a multiple day event, June 28th to July 2nd here in 2023. But it's always kind of about that time period, right? End of June, beginning of July. Yep. Yep. Usually right around 4th of July weekend is when we try to do it. Because a lot of my friends um, have extra days off that time. Yeah. And so it allows for a lot of people to come in and spend uh, the amount of time it takes to make artwork and hang out. And that's the main goal is to help and teach people how to make uh, custom iron artwork uh, from scratch, even though you've never done it before. Yeah. Or I have seasoned veterans that are there that literally are professors in colleges or work in professional foundries that come to this event just to play. Right. And it's such a, such a cool event. We're going to rip into a bunch more of that in a little bit. Let's rewind a little bit. Decor native, you grew up here. Yep. Right out on the family farm. Out on the family farm, just eight miles out. Uh, most people know kind of where I'm at because I always say, oh, we're right next to the Winnipeg County landfill, <laughs> which is not my favorite uh, place to say, but it's definitely gotten better than it was when I was growing up. It was sure. not real well maintained, but since the county took it over, it really has changed. But for me, the fun part about it growing up was. Um, I actually liked going over there. Oh, yeah. Because my dad and I, and this is part of a little bit of the origin story of how I became who I am, I think. Um, my dad and my grandpa were both hands-on makers, builders, being farmers, and uh, fixing and building things all the time. Yeah, and, absolutely. And uh, we would go over there, my dad and I, with a, a trailer load of trash and throw it out. And then we would walk around and be like, oh, there's like a circular saw with a bad cord on it. And we should take that home and fix it. Um, yeah. There's a ladder missing one rung. We can make a rung, you know. Um, and so we would go over there. And then I got to at some point going over there and looking for like 
radios and TVs and oh, different cool. things like that that people had tossed out. And this is before they started like actually taking those <laughs> things and actually, you know, getting the parts out of them and recycling. Totally. Uh, it was before all that. But what I would do is I would take those parts, bring them home, see if I could fix them. Um, if I couldn't, I just kind of figured out how they worked. And I would usually steal the speakers out of them nice. so I could put them up in the dairy barn so we could have music in the dairy barn. So I'd hook up more speakers <laughs> um, so we could listen to music while we were milking cows. And uh, That's awesome. That's kind of a big part of my uh, scavenging. And if you know my artwork from around town, the Viking uh, at the middle school and yes. the Thor at the high school, yes. um, it's all found object. It's reclaimed artwork. Um, it's reclaimed pieces to make artwork. So it's bringing together a lot of different pieces from within the community. And Thor is all made from pieces from within the community. Actually, I sourced all those parts from um, the truck utility place that fixes uh, school buses and semis oh, yeah. up on Airport Hill. Yeah, sure. A couple parts came from there. Cool. Um, some of the stuff came from the John Deere place up on the hill yep. um, outside of town. Uh, the Case IH place let me actually, Windridge actually let me yeah. grab some parts from them. And uh, um, Buddenberg's farm um, on the way to um, 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 Josh Buddenberg. Oh, let yeah, me go through his stuff. Yeah. Just on the way to walk on, yep. um, they did a lot of scrap, you know, stuff too, and fixing oh, and repairing things. So awesome. That sculpture is literally made from the community, and that was a big part of what I wanted to do with that. When they asked me about doing uh, the sculpture for the high school, was I wanted to make sure it was part of the community and reclaimed from the community. Right, right. And what a cool concept, you know, in terms of a project, right? And it just yep. has so much meaning to it. You grew up in Decorah, went to school in Decorah. Uh, I think we all have those experiences. I know one thing we have in common uh, is that uh, you were a drummer. I was a drummer. How, yeah. did, that, how did that happen? How did you find the drums? Um, I originally, um, my, my family all made all of us kids take piano lessons. So uh -huh. I took piano when I was real young. Uh, I think her name was Miss Miller. She lived down um, over West Side area. Yeah. And uh, um, I wasn't very good at it. Um, we have a lot of things in common, Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wasn't very good at it. I had a hard time reading music. Um, yeah. And that was the big part of it. And then for some reason, my friends talked me into trying out for band. And uh, the drumming section, which I wanted to be in, was full. So I tried trumpet for two oh, years. Oh, no way. And I tried trumpet because uh, my parents had a couple albums. They had uh, Herb Albert and the Tijuana mm -hmm. Brass. <laughs> and I thought the trumpet was pretty cool. So um, I picked up the trumpet, played that for about two years. And then all the drummers had basically uh, left except for a couple. So they were hurting for drummers. So I went into the drumming area. That's and, awesome. Uh, and that Jump was like... Yeah, and that was, you know, middle school still. Yep. And I think I got into the drumming right when I got into uh, junior high. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just absolutely loved it. It was very it was very natural for me, but I still had a hard time reading music. <laughs> yeah. But I was really good at memorizing and mimicking and uh, and following what everybody else was doing. Sure. Um, yeah. And I, so I had an ear for it more so than, I, you know, and I, you know, I couldn't read the music, but I could figure it out and then just memorize it. Definitely. And what was it? Eighth grade. My parents, my, I found a drum set. I bought a drum set off of Will Kemperman. Oh yeah. I yeah. remember Will. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I had a drum set that I bought off of him and, uh, started playing. And once I got setting on a drum set and a trap and playing a little five piece, man, I was yeah. sold. That was it. Um, nice. and it was within that same, within a year of that, I started playing with some friends and, uh, we started a band. 
Cool. Um, uh, with a couple other, well, one other local guy, Jason Graves, and then yep. uh, there was two other guys that were from up by Mabel. Nice. And uh, we started a band that was called Peace Corps, and it was spelled like piece of the apple and core of the apple because <laughs> we were really into hardcore uh, skater punk music, so it was a piece of hardcore. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and uh, that that really got me out and about, and it was the first thing I think I really did artistically, because mm-hmm. a lot of my friends that were uh, uh, artists around me, like uh, Jamie Hotz and Paul Rude, yeah. could do anything. Like whatever they picked up, they would draw perfectly, you know, sculpt person, you know, like do things, you know, in clay or whatever. They were just awesome at it. And I always struggled with it. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, well, I'm not really an artist because, you know, I'm not, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, instead, um, when I found music, I was like, oh, wow, I can actually do this. This is something that really actually excited me. And uh, so I ended up, uh, playing drums, we toured around. We played like all around the Midwest here. Um, little skate parks that were kind of like impromptu because skate parks really didn't exist at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, right. But they would pop up in like uh, fairgrounds, and uh, you know, and sometimes backs of bars, and uh, <laughs> um, and it was just a lot of fun. It was a good time. Uh, That's and, awesome. Did you guys practice like out of your farm or somewhere? Yeah, or we practiced like, at the farm. Free for all. <laughs> it was it was crazy. My parents, uh, oh, man, I can't believe they let let, let us do that. But <laughs> the, that was a practice space. It was the farm, and on occasion we'd set up in the backyard, and all of our friends would come over and we'd play. And totally, one of our neighbors would always come over the next day and be like, "I know you guys were playing last <laughs> night. I could hear everything, you know." But all I could understand were the swear words. <laughs> that's hilarious old farmer guy would come over right just like oh my god and i was like yep sounds about right that's amazing Uh, but that took me up into high school then high school i kind of dropped out of it um i i just realized i wanted to do something more and that was taking me in a direction that i wasn't really wanting to go sure um and so i was trying to figure out what i wanted to do but i had actually started photography at that time too um so i got sent to uh, uh, ames for a um journalism program in the summertime to actually learn how to do photography for the yearbook so my uh it was my sophomore year going into my junior year and uh so i went down there and learned from professionals how to shoot photography so that was the next thing i'd never actually really shot photos prior to this yeah but my friend bill lewenberger was like hey you should do this this would be a lot of fun and i picked it up instantly it was like it was like a fish to water for me i was like i was the the people teaching were like, are you sure you've never done this before? Because I could go in <laughs> and anticipate uh, the settings for the enlarger after I shot the photos. Sure. And we'd develop, print, roll all of our film, which yeah. now that's like you, obsolete. I have to ask you, so we've never talked about this. Did you, so did you work in the darkroom at the high school? Yeah, I did. I did too. And it was right towards the end years, right? Like yep. we actually, and I, I've told people about that in the past that uh, if people don't know, like that, I'm assuming most high schools did this at some point, but like, you know, the, the decor high school still had a darkroom. Yep. We'd still had an to go get chemicals on a probably Christian camera Christian or something camera, at that yep. time, right? And like we would just go spend hours. And of course, you and I were a few years apart, so we went to cross paths, but like we would spend hours there just yep. experimenting and doing stuff. And it, I don't think anybody even knew we were there. Like, no, <laughs> it no. was crazy. Well, and if you, if you didn't know, it was down by the uh, the, the shop end of the, the yeah, school. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, I, and so I had a key to that and uh, went through that program and I did really well with it. Nice. And, uh, and I was like, oh man, this photography thing's pretty fun. I really like it. So I actually took a lot of photos back in the day of us skateboarding awesome. and different things. So I had lots of photos of us as kids, uh, running around town, which was really great. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So was, that was kind of a pretty good dip into more of kind of like something that was a, a legit sort of fine art 
world type of stuff, right? Yeah, it was definitely more of a dip into the legit fine art world. <laughs> it was really fun. Um, I ended up, you know, so I was like hanging out and um, in the band time too, um, I was hanging out with like uh, uh, my buddy Bones, Chris Bells, if you guys course, know who that is. Yeah. Um, so he was actually backup singer, I think, on a couple songs nice. and um, would help us like move stuff, which was great. And then I was skateboarding with him. So yep. at that time when I was doing photography, I got photos of all my friends and uh, you know, while we were skateboarding, uh, it was amazing. It was so fun. And I was, it was, that was the first art form, that fine art form that I really felt like I was actually being creative and an artist Sure. also. So that like started getting my mindset into that mentality. Yeah. Um, didn't know really what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to leave town and go to college. Yep. And, um, because my mom worked at Luther college, they had tuition exchange with a college in, uh, the cities called Augsburg. And yeah. so I went to Augsburg sure. for two years and uh, walked in as a freshman and was my uh, photography skills were so good. I got hired on by the newspaper and the yearbook instantly to be the photo editor. Oh, that's awesome. As uh, and to run that. And there wasn't too many people at that time that were super interested in it. So I don't think I had much competition. <laughs> But I did look back at their photos, and they're like, yeah, your photos are like 10 times better than everyone else, and you're way faster in the dark room. And, yeah. Um, and uh, I was just had a knack for it. And that's, that's incredible. What, yeah. a, what a killer outlet, too. I yeah. mean, I often talk about, you know, I, I got interested in audio, but, like, I did get to learn in the analog world of, anal, you know, of, of audio still right before the digital advent happened and home recording and all this stuff. And photography is really a very similar parallel, right? Yep. And if you learned film, you really learned something different. Yep. It's just a process that you learned that if you understand does translate to digital photography, but there's a lot of knowledge, uh, I think, that you learn there, right? Yeah. Well, it's actually funny. I just thought of another thing. In high school, not only was I in like all the performances for band, and um, um, so I was in band in high school, but I was also in drama and all the plays. Yeah. And that, but I, there was a class we took with Mr. Valley that yes. was uh, uh, the news. So we actually put on a news oh, show yeah. that went live on the whole TV uh, station around uh, around the school, and uh, awesome. and we would actually do, uh, and it was uh, it was me, Bill Lewenberger, Jenny Sevison, and Jason Estrom. Wow, uh, were the four students in this class? Man, there's and some there's some VH ta- ta- VHS tapes somewhere. There are, and <laughs> right I've seen that. some. Um, I've seen some recently because Jason Estrom somehow got them. Oh, but. Uh, man. Um, it was funny because we actually had to do exactly what you're talking about, talking about. We had, uh, we had VHS, uh, tape players that would like run and splice and like, uh, edit the film together so that it would sure. go together in this thing. And we had to learn how to use this yep. analog way of doing things, which was like crazy. Yeah. And, um, but it was really fun. And I, I was like, I found it really in- interesting. And another aspect I actually completely forgot about that yeah. was part of my, um, thing except for and you're talking about doing that too right so kind of talking about that analog hands-on art world uh kelly we're going to take a super quick break when we come back we're going to get to where you got somehow into iron sounds great pouring iron molten iron yep <laughs> i love it kelly ludiking thanks for being here we're coming right back to talk thanks. about uh down on the farm iron pour a bunch more cool stuff it's rhymes with decora we'll be right back This is Aaron Henning-Nichols, founder and editor-in-chief of Inspired Magazine. Rhymes with Decor is brought to you by Inspired Media, bringing you positive news since 2007. 
Find us on stands across the Driftless or check out our new website or become a member at iloveinspired.com. Creating stories about communities you love by people you trust. Thanks for being inspired. That's the voice of Aaron Henny Nichols, my partner in business at uh, Inspired Media. Also happens to be my wife. Check it all out at iloveinspired.com. You're listening to Rhymes with Decora, a companion podcast project of Inspired. Kelly Ludeking, my guest today, Decora native and artist, uh, mostly based in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area these days, but uh, one of the most interesting events that happens on an annual basis here in Decora, down on the farm Iron Pour. Uh, every uh, late June, early July, this year the 20th anniversary in 2023, June 28th to July 2nd, find out all about it down on the farm Kelly, thanks for hanging out today, this is a blast. Yeah, thanks. This is awesome. Yeah. So you were going to school uh, in Minneapolis, right? Uh, yep. You got a couple years into Augsburg? Augsburg, said, right? yeah. I did two years at Augsburg, but uh, one of my best buddies uh, from Decorah here, Paul Rood, was actually going to MCAD, yeah. Minneapolis College of Art and Design. Um, and uh, I was going over there all the time, and like their dark rooms were amazing, and their facilities oh, were nice. really great. So, And I got to know some of the people there. Uh, and actually some of the photographers, there was actually a really great, uh, woman photographer there, Shelly Mossman, who is pretty prolific and, um, shooting a lot of like, uh, stuff, great stuff now up in the cities and, uh, um, great fine artist too. But, uh, I was just like blown away and I was like, that's where I want to go. I'm like, I'm, I was like starting to see that I could make money with it because all the different groups at the college were paying me outside of what I was getting paid yeah. for the, being a photo editor for yep. the paper and the newspaper, uh, yearbook. And uh, I was making money doing it. So I was nice. getting hired by all these different magazines, including uh, the Lutheran Magazine, which is the no national way. publication yeah. Yeah. for all Lutheran colleges. Um, they actually hired me to come in and do a photo shoot for them. And I got um, Richard Simon Hansen yeah. playing Martin Luther at Augsburg. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> Photos for that, which is crazy because I actually know his son. Of course. Um, God, what what a trip, man. Now. That and is hilarious. It's just crazy. So it's like small world. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so that like led me down if, the if path. You, and to if, go people, to, if people don't know Richard Simon, I mean, like talk about a podcast series. Richard Simon, a Decorah uh, sort of figure. I mean, just sort of a legend in terms of a religion professor. And uh, I mean, just amazing, interesting person. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I mean, the funny part about it now is I know his son, Rodney Hansen, who okay. was actually, you know, grew up here also, um, is also an iron caster. Whoa, really? Yes. Oh, and he lives wild. in Madison. And we, I lived in Madison for a long time and never met him. And we, by chance, met later on and finally figured out that we both were casting iron in oh, a very small world. Yeah. Uh, you know, and knew a lot of the same people. But that was... To getting into the iron part of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, well I got to ask. So yeah. you graduated MCAD, right? Or you got done at MCAD at like 97? 97, what yeah. you're talking about. And if I if I understand correctly, you ended up with like a degree in, or a, your work was in like sculpture and furniture design, right? Yep. Sculpture and furniture How design. How did you make the jump from what you were doing with like photography and stuff? How did that, how did that jump happen? <laughs> so uh, my first year at MCAD, they didn't accept any of my stuff that I was doing at Augsburg, really. Oh, so I was starting out from ground zero, yeah. including the photography, which I was wow. like, I went in and they made me take photo one and I was kind of, kind of right. like irked a little bit by that. And I was like, all right. So I went in there and I talked to the teacher in, adv in advance and I said, you know, I, th this is my skill set. I'm already doing this. Yeah. I've shot, I've gotten published nationally. Yeah. Um, and they're like, well, you still got to take it and whatever. And I was like, <laughs> all right. And she's like, well, maybe you give me my, uh, my assistant. 
Sure. And I was like, cool. So I'm going through doing this, and the kids are, like, failing, like, really gray photography and just not doing well. And I'd see them in the darkroom just struggling that first, like, month. And uh, so I was constantly running around to everybody's area and was, like, teaching them how to dodge and burn. Wow. And uh, teaching them how to, like, uh, use filters properly to actually get more contrast or less contrast. Cool. Um, or all these things that you could do with your uh, when you're doing it in the darkroom, in the enlarger, um, that you could do. Yeah. And uh the students are like showing their our, their photos, and the teacher's like, "Oh my god, these are so great!" And they're like, "Yeah, Kelly showed us how to like dodge and burn and uh, use filters." And she got mad at me because <laughs> that was like not coming for another two weeks or right, something. Right. And I was jumping ahead of her schedule, and I'm like, "Well, they're wasting paper." It was like yeah. weird, you know. I couldn't do that, yeah. so she didn't like me very much. So I barely passed photo one. <laughs> <laughs> the the irony yeah yeah, yeah. and then Definitely. i i did take photo two because i was still a photo major and because that's what got me into mcad yep. and uh i was just like no i just wasn't liking it i mean uh their ideas of what they were shooting at the time was not up my alley they're doing a lot of shock value photography sure that wasn't my what i wanted to do i was doing more like journalistic because that's what my background was yeah you know documenting homeless people on the street and kind of shining a light on that and like dilapidated sure. areas around the cities and cool um but uh my uh i had to take sculpture uh at, at mcad you take the beginning foundations of printmaking uh photography sculpture uh they actually call it uh, foundation 3d so you okay. go in the shop yeah. and actually you learn woodworking metalworking a little bit of everything you touch everything a little bit awesome. just enough to get a knowledge of it yeah yeah and uh uh, you know, and then there's drawing and painting and you have to take foundations 101 on all those things sure. your first year. Yeah. There's uh, three sculpture professors and I'd had two of them. The head guy, Michael Bigger, was like uh, uh, I hadn't had yet because he was the advanced level stuff. And uh, after that f second semester, he came up to me and was looking at some of my stuff. And he's like, you know, you're a good photographer, but you could be a great sculptor. Let me teach you. Wow. Nice. Um, and, uh, I dropped my photo program right there and went right into sculpture. Wow. Cool. Yeah. So really it was just a mentor. It was someone who had, yep. just had that ability who just said, Hey, this is what you yep. should be doing. Yep. Yeah. And that, that totally transformed. I, I think of he's like my father of kind of like yeah. my, my fine art career basically. Cause he really did, uh, foster something. And then he was really took me under the wing and he was definitely a father figure cause it wasn't all like uh, sugary all the time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he 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 knocked me down a couple levels up multiple times because yep. I thought I was pretty big shit. Yeah, uh, I've been uh, there. <laughs> and uh, he 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 took my legs out from under me basically and had me start over because. Um, but I needed it at the time, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, and the fun part about if you don't know me, I'm pretty pretty much an optimist and uh so he said to me one time because i'd made this one sculpture it was sitting on a little pedestal but i had signed my name on a piece of steel that was a pretty expensive piece of steel with a blowtorch and it was like a two foot by three foot chunk of steel with my name blowtorched into it in cursive and it was way bigger than the pedestal let alone the sculpture on it and he came up and was so mad at me that i wasted this piece of metal for my name for signing my name <gasps> And uh, he's like, you're not that important yet. And the thing I took out of that was yet. Yeah. Right uh, on. Like, okay, I'm not there yet. I will be someday. Nice. And so, and he like, I was the first critique of the day. And he went back to his room <laughs> and shut his door. And there was no more critiques that day. <laughs> he was so mad. He was like beat red. And 
And he was just like, oh. Uh, um, but uh, I was with him all the way up to the, I mean, after college, I'd go to his studio and help him with stuff. I'd help him move sculptures yeah, and everything. But he was the one that had a previous student that had done iron casting, went on after MCAD, because MCAD did not have that. Okay. Um, they had foundation like uh, aluminum and bronze, some basic stuff. Cool. But um, this this other guy had graduated under Michael and then went and did his grad school work at the University of Minnesota under the Godfather, one of the Godfathers of cast iron art, Wayne Potratz. Okay, um, and nice. Wayne's amazing. I've gotten to be really good friends with him over the years. But um, so this guy graduated under him and asked Michael, like, "Hey, I'm going to have an iron pour at my uh, new shop that I'm working at. You want to come over and bring some students?" So we're like, "Okay." Cool. And that was our sophomore year. And so my sophomore year, I got to see that, and my buddies and I were like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. How do we do this? And if people, I guess I should have, you know, we should have said this earlier. I mean, people don't understand what we're talking about. You're talking about actually taking uh, iron, raw iron, scrap iron, whatever, putting it in a giant furnace, melting it down into liquid metal. 2,500 degrees. <laughs> and pouring it into forms. Yes. Uh, that you probably have created or some, there are a lot of variations there. And, but actually pouring that molten uh, metal and, and creating art. It, and it, it is, there's just something so at the core of it that is so cool and so basic and so age old, but like, man, it is amazing. It feels pretty primal too. Yeah. When we're doing it, it feels very ancient and old because this, this has been around. I mean, metal casting actually has been around since like, I think 7,000 BC. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, somewhere in the Carpathian mountains, they think they figured it out, but they were figured it out through ceramics, which is pretty cool. Cause they kind of cross paths okay. cross over a little bit sure. in their knowledge. Um, but iron's been around for a couple thousand years, yeah, which is amazing. And we're doing it this kind of similar way, uh, except for we're using electric motors for our blowers on the furnace instead of being on a hillside <laughs> or bellows or something. <laughs> right. Right. Um, right. But, it's, but also cool. I can imagine as like some 18, 20 year old, whatever, like students, it would also make a large impression. Yes. I can imagine. Big fire. Like, big fire. Big fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I realize I love fire and I love it uh, because it's great because it can destroy, but it does create also. Yeah. You can create with it. And, that, yeah. and uh, iron just has this thing with it too that, I mean, and, and everybody that does iron talks about the same thing of how it's at the core of so many things, including our earth. Sure. Um, yeah. But it's found in the meteorites that are land on Earth. And um, it's just this ancient thing that we also happen to have in our blood. Yeah. And, wow. Um, and you think about it on that level where it's that important to our, our, our livelihood. And, um, and then you think about what we find iron in. Iron is in everything around you. I mean, the vehicles you're driving, the utilities, the fire hydrants, the cooking cast iron frying pans. It's like so important. And yet most people only think of it as a utilitarian thing. And it wasn't until the 1960s, this guy, Julius Schmidt, um, who was actually the guy Rodney Hansen studied under, I found out later, uh, started making smaller furnaces that he could run in his backyard and cast iron. (laughs) Because iron was way cheaper than bronze, sure. and you could build bigger things out of it. Wow. Um, and so he started doing that, and then because of that, it spread to all these other people, like Wayne Potratz and all these other people that yeah. then took it on, and Wayne ran a cast iron program at the University of Minnesota for 45 years. Wow. Had the longest-running cast iron program in the country. And super and I was, cool that that was in Minneapolis. I mean, and it was in Minneapolis. Yeah. And I got to actually learn from him a little bit, too. And sure. I traveled all over the country after I learned how to do it and learned it at MCAD the basics but we just got kind of like 
given the furnace and then we had to figure it out. Yeah. And there's so much to figure out. So we yeah. failed. Yeah, no kidding. We right? failed and we failed a lot <laughs> yeah. um, doing it. But I figure that's why I'm so good at it now is because by failing, I learned how to do everything the wrong way, but also some ways that people never taught me how to do it that actually work. Yes. Yep. I mean, that's the key to everything, right? Yep. Yep. (laughs) You got to fail. Like, totally. Yeah. That is a huge crux, I think, for for most processes. And that is how you learn it. Um, it, That's an incredible thing. So, I mean, long story short, you have have made an incredible career out of this. So you started, you got into this community of people who were doing iron pours. uh, And it literally started taking you around the country and then around the world. I mean, Scotland, uh, Scotland. places. I mean, it's just like, you know, you've done some really, really cool stuff. One of the coolest parts, I think, is that you have always had this in your blood as well to bring it back home. Yep. Uh, so down on the farm, Iron Poor, of course, now 20th year in 2023. So you took those experiences, you went out and got them, you met this incredible community of people, but you also said, hey, I got this place. Yep. <laughs> Dad's farm's still there. We can go there, make a mess, yep. <laughs> cleaned up, but uh, and, and nobody's going to bug us. And that's is that kind of how Down on the Farm started? Yeah, it started, oh, a big part of it was, is uh, I was, I left college and um, started like working in industries, building larger than life props. Yeah. Um, and running around the country doing that. And uh, I loved doing that. But uh, when 9-11 happened, some of the stuff that I was doing um, was going, a lot of it was in Times Square. Yep. And so that shut down instantly and I lost my job. Wow. Um, so there's a part of the story where it, I was forced to sell the property where that I was building up for, that was 20 acres in Wisconsin, oh, a house that I built from the ground up. My wife and I, Diane and I yep. built this house from the ground up and had this, you know, place that was going to be amazing. We ended up having to sell that because we couldn't afford to keep it on yeah. both of us being somewhat unemployed after nine 11. And yeah. then, um, I was working, I worked as a car salesman. I worked for a blacksmith shop. I worked uh, floor installation. I was trying to do whatever I could to uh, make money and it wasn't working. Yeah. And uh, around that time, my mom got Lou Gehrig's and got sick. Yeah. And so we were like, we need to move home. Wow. Um, so we sold the property, moved home, was able to come in and actually take care of my mom yeah. um, and be with her that last uh, nine months of her life and then stay another nine months for my dad. But when we did that, right away when I got back, I'm like, I can actually start making my own art again because I'd actually been neglecting that. Sure. Because I was like mindset in like, uh, you know, house, job, yep. you know, uh, married. And like, you know, Diane and I were like trying to like make this thing work. And uh, when I got back to the farm, I'm like, I can actually make art again. And I'd always been going to iron pours still. In all that time, I was traveling still and going to right. local iron pours. I'm like, I can do this here. I can yeah. build my own furnace. And I'd already helped build a couple other furnaces. Um, I could build my own furnace and start my own thing here. And I know people will come. That's awesome. And so it started out pretty small. Yeah. Uh, and, and also I should say, I mean, if people don't understand what you're talking about there with like an iron pour, like it is a, it's a real environment. I mean, people create these events across the country, but each of these being different in their own right also have kind of a common bond in that, like, it's a real experience. I mean, it's almost a, uh, it's not a festival. It's not a carnival. It's not, but it's like a community of people. And it's like, there's a real vibe that happens, you know, it's a really interesting thing from what I witnessed. Yeah. It's, it's definitely has, um, it's got to be now where this event, definitely my personal event 
is a family reunion. And that's kind of what we bill it as too, because there's a lot of these people that come back year after year. I have some of my friends that have been coming to this event that I met at another event and had cast with them for many years prior to that. So some of these people have been casting with me for over 20 years, yeah, uh, which is amazing. And they're like, they're family members at this point, you know? Um, But we all pitch in and there's a a community kitchen. There's, uh, we have a sanitation group that helps with doing the dishes and also making sure all the porta potties have toilet paper Right. Right. And we have a whole sand studio and uh, that is making all the chemicals uh, and mixing it with sand to make the the molds and everything. So all these people are coming together to make this one event happen on Saturday night where we actually light up the furnace. Totally. And melt two tons of cast iron radiators from that heat your house to bathtubs. Wow. Yeah. And turn that into art. Totally. And uh, there's hundreds of pieces of artwork made in that four or five days. A super cool part of this, we got it's so crazy. We could we could talk for so long, Kelly, and we're gonna wrap a show up. But I think it's really important for people to understand, much like you coming to your career in art, that an iron pour is actually something that's actually quite accessible for people as well. Yes, uh, you don't have to be a professional artist. Uh, you might need to have a little time, <laughs> uh, but you can go to down on the uh, down on the farm and check mm-hmm. out all the details and sign up and come out for the weekend. Sign up. Come out, be a part of it. Uh, and actually, people will help you make a mold. They'll help you show, and then you'll get to see it poured and have a finished piece of art at the end of the weekend, right? Yep, that's the best part about it is that we literally, I've had everything uh, when casting iron from four-year-olds to 80-year-olds out yeah. there, you know, learning how to make something for the first time. And then when you actually get it made and we cast it, when they get to actually come and actually open it up mm-hmm. out of the thing, it's like Christmas morning. It's right, like right. so much fun seeing these people of all ages act like little kids opening up their pieces and taking a wire brush and brushing off the sand off of it to see the end result of what they made totally. that same week. So it's a very immediate art form. Um, yeah, very it's accessible. As, I mean, it's as basic as like maybe somebody's making a tile, maybe it's a little bit of a sculpture, maybe it's something. But then, like all of y'all who are there and have been doing this forever, also do some really cool and crazy stuff, right? Some yep. bigger pieces, or you got like I don't even remember what they're called, like whistle boxes and yep. crazy stuff, and like it's a it's a the night the night that the iron actually gets poured. So like I saw on the website, is it July first? So the event's July twenty eighth to July second here in twenty twenty three, and so like July first, the last you know night probably. Uh, is the actual pour. It's the actual pour, and, yep. And it's a real event. So it's, yep. you, you did it at dusk. It's a kind of almost a light show. I mean, there's fire and there's molten metal. And like, it's a real, it's a real experience for sure. Yeah, and I like it on 4th of July weekend because we do create kind of our own ground-level fireworks yeah, for right, some of the stuff, sure. which is pretty amazing. And um, it is, it, it's also, I've gotten this to build up to being a community event, too. So we do have some really great sponsors. Yes. Um, like Pulpit Rock is, was really great last year. Yeah. Um, Convergence Cider Works actually was helped us out a little bit on some stuff, too. And uh, yeah. um, great Art House. Food. Art, yeah. Art House was great because we actually had an art show there. Yeah. And actually, I taught a class down there. So look for um, class. Classes to be held at Art House, where we'll actually have one day where we'll come in and we'll actually teach a class on how to make the tiles, awesome. scratch tiles. And then um, that whole month of June, actually June 2nd, we're having an art show at Art House. Yes. That's going to go through uh, July 1st. And, and I came uh, to that event last year and it was so much fun. I yeah. think you guys did an actual like opening during, or it was right before it was down on the night. farm, right? Yeah, Thursday night of the. And it was so much fun because a bunch of your friends were there who are from all over the country and who are fascinating people and really talented artists. Uh, and, and just like every conversation I had was a blast. It was really cool. 
Well, and it's also the artwork. Like I was talking about earlier about how iron is always considered something that's industrial and it's fire hydrants and it's engine blocks and it's, you know, frying pans. Yeah. Um, we did have one of my friends bring frying pan stuff yeah, there. Yeah, sounds uh, amazing. <laughs> which I, I helped her uh, get going, Alyssa Toninato, with the, uh, she came up with the idea of doing state-shaped frying pans. Yes. Um, and uh, we had those there. But uh, it's amazing how everybody that came out of that was like, I didn't know iron could be like that or look like that because some oh, of it's yeah. super delicate Absolutely. and really uh, detail-oriented. Mm-hmm. And it's that's my favorite thing is changing people's view on what iron can be. Yeah. Absolutely. What? Yeah. What? A, what? A, what an amazing and, and mind blowing thing, Kelly. I wish we could keep going on. Uh, I think I might. There actually might be another little uh, section of uh, another show that we're going to do and talk about iron pour as well, because cool. there's so many, so many cool things that are involved in it and interesting and fun and and all that stuff. But thank you so yeah. much for taking the time to talk today. Uh, again, Kelly Ludeking, decor artist, lives in Minneapolis now, an established uh, iron monger. Is that iron the right monger, word? That's, that's, that's the nickname uh, I gave. My myself I right guess. uh but kellyludeking.com k-e-l-l-y-l-u-d-e-k-i-n-g kellyludeking.com you can find all of his information the event down on the farm iron pour the 20th anniversary here in 2023 down on the farm uh it's again june 28th july 2nd in decora uh it happens every year though so check it out keep up to date and uh yeah we'll learn more about it as uh, time rolls on kelly thanks for talking today oh, thanks a lot this is a blast. blast we'll see you next time see you You've been listening to Rhymes with Decora, companion podcast of uh, Inspired Media. Benji Nichols, your host. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out iloveinspired.com. If you enjoyed the music on the show today, it is the work of Mr. Nick Zielinski. Find him on Instagram at Indicative of Drumming. He's a decoran. He's a drummer. He's a great guy. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. Rhymes with Decora is a project of Inspired Media. Find us online at iloveinspired.com.